This is Stacey Hillier and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Hey listeners, you are about to listen to our new Worship Reformation series with special guest Joel Field. We hope you enjoy. Okay, Joel, I think it's actually important that we articulate at the beginning of this episode what we believe the Lord is actually reforming us to. Mm -hmm. And the statement that I really felt that the Holy Spirit gave us and that we're about to do all kinds of things with is that he's reforming us into a priesthood of believers united in Davidic worship with presence as the priority. Mm. So that's full of a whole bunch of terms and words that we're going to explore throughout the series. But we want people to hear this big idea. A priesthood of believers united in Davidic worship with presence as the priority. So today I actually want to talk to you about this concept of being the priesthood of believers. And I'm sure that there's many people who who will be listening today going, what the heck are they talking about? (laughs) Well, that's exactly why we're here. Because I believe these terms are going to become more and more familiar within the church within the next decade as part of this worship reformation. So reformation, reformation, we'll take it all. So maybe if you could give everybody a basic kind of working definition on what the priesthood of believers actually is biblically. Sure. Yeah, I think these terms are becoming, uh, you know, we're hearing different members of the body of Christ using these terms more and more. So it is important yeah. that we understand what we're, we're talking about. Um, the way that I have received the priesthood of believers is rediscovering and mining out our priestly calling. Yes. And there are a number of hurdles that we probably need to get over when we hear the word priest or yeah. priestly ministry, priestly calling, because instantly when we hear the word priest, we'll probably either go to like a Catholic or Orthodox yes. priest, and yeah. that's what the images that come to our mind, or we think of Old Testament priesthood, yep. and uh, especially in the you know the corner of the body of Christ that we're we're in, uh, we often look at Old Testament priesthood or the Le- Levitical priesthood, uh, Moses and the tabernacle and Aaron and the Levites, and we we I guess view it through the cross and Jesus's work, and we kind of discount it in that yep. sense, and we go, well, that's done away with yes. now because we have free access to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And so we don't need to look at any of that stuff. But I believe part of the mining out and rediscovery of our priestly calling as believers, and especially when we are a community of believers, it's so important. Uh, This has so much to do with uh, who we are as the church, Big C Church, and our understanding and our, uh, yeah, for me at least, it's it's reignited my passion for the church. And so it's uh, important, like I say, that we mine this out, rediscover what our priestly calling is. And I believe our priestly calling is to live, to sing and pray in a way that ministers to the Lord. So again, this is language that we're beginning to use more and more, Mm -hmm. ministry to the Lord. Uh, And so we can hear these things and and be like, well, what does that even mean? Um, How do we minister to the Lord? Because as we've said previously, uh, when we think ministry whether that's uh, in full-time ministry, whether we think of it in worship leading or being part of a worship team, 
we often think of ministry as ministering to others. Yes. So I know for me, whether it's been in my full-time ministry or even in worship leading, I've always just looked at it as I'm here to minister to others, whether that's help others encounter the presence of God or lead people in. I mean, even in the terminology that we use of worship leading, yes. um, it suggests that yeah. we're here to lead mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so there's very little in that understanding of ministry to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so this might be a brand new concept to some people. How do I even minister to the Lord? And I think part of that mind now and rediscovery is that we have to go right back to the beginning of the story, Yes, uh, right back to Genesis chapters two and three, where we see in the creation account of God's creation of Adam. And we need to, again, relook at Eden. Mm-hmm. I think the Garden of Eden There's so much to discover in that, and we need to perhaps adjust the lens. We've always Mm -hmm. looked at it perhaps from a Western point of view of seeing it as just a garden that Adam and Eve were put in, Mm -hmm. and they were essentially caretakers of some sort of elaborate botanical garden Um, and just make sure things keep neat and tidy and all that kind of thing. And we almost see the creation account of Adam being created and being handed a pitchfork and being told to get to work, whereas... The Eastern view of Eden, they saw it as a tabernacle, mm. as a temple of God that he had created for the purpose of his presence to yes. dwell and rest in. And he placed, he put, he rested Adam and Eve in his presence yep. for the purpose of communion with them yes. and being with them. And so already uh, in that, we discover that our original dignity and design as humans was found in being with God, God presence in himself with yes. us, and our purpose and design is to minister to him. Mm. And so there's great value and mm. worth that even speaks to who we are yes. as as humans in that, that yes. God created us with such care and breathed his life into mm. us. So his very pneuma, his very breath is within us and, and is what we're breathing today. And, and yet then as well, that our purpose and our calling is found in rediscovering our priestly ministry to him. And so, yeah, that's kind of like, I guess, a, in, an intro thought yes. um, to what this is all about in terms of priestly ministry. On a really big topic, and we'll actually make sure that however people are listening to this, whatever forum, that there's a link in show notes or beside this video to your message from this past Sunday night about the priesthood of believers where you really take a deep dive mm-hmm. into this, really from Genesis to Revelation. But I think one of the things that would be good to talk about here is that for the last however many decades, maybe two to three decades in church life, we've really gathered around this idea of uh, the ministers being a small percentage of people, paid pastors Mm -hmm. in the church. And through sowing performance, which we've talked about, and reaping consumers, what we've created is people who come to church to receive from the paid ministers. So uh, if the pastor goes and has a nice little devotional life, then he can bring me a devotional thought. If the worship leader goes somewhere that they've not been before, how many times have we taught this? Oh, you can't take people somewhere you haven't been. So we need the worship leader to go be set aside and go somewhere new so that then they can Mm -hmm. lead us somewhere where actually God's intention right from creation and the restoration of Eden, which is in Mm -hmm. Revelation, is that 
every single person would come Mm -hmm. and minister to the Lord within the boundaries of community. So for many decades, the church has reflected what I believe, this is my wording, (laughs) a collective of consumers rather than a priesthood of believers. Mm. What do you think are some of the factors that have led to this? Yeah, there's a number of things that you've even touched on there. I think what we probably need to, one of the, my favorite things to do is look through church history. I'm not a history buff by any means, but I love looking at church history, revival history. And I think that for the most part, we probably have quite a short-sighted view of church life. Mm -hmm. I think our sort of current version of church that we know um, probably has only existed for the last 150, 200 years. Whereas for the majority of the last 2,000 years, church was really like a citadel in a city, a prominent place that was generally open 24-7. It was almost like a safe house for people to go in and be in the presence of God, whether that was prayer, petition, or or whatever it was. If you look back to early church fathers, they, they like left everything to go and be in that presence and to have a place where people could encounter God 24-7. It's really only in the last 150, 200 years where we've made it this thing of like, you know, it's a weekend thing that we do for 90 minutes, if that, and it's something that we check in and out of. And it's just a a mark on our calendar that we, because we're Christian, that's Mm -hmm. what we do. And I think then we've just taken cues from society where society has become more and more consumeristic, Um, And we've just applied that to our faith as well. And so it is something that I come in and uh, whether it's like a drive-through experience of like, well, I come and get my spiritual goods and services. I top up for the week, my spiritual tank, and then I go about the rest of my week um, in hope that I've got enough in the tank to get me through till the next time I, you know, uh, grace the church with my presence. And then we come in (laughs) and like... Uh, like you say, we come in expecting to receive something. Whereas I think for them, God's desire has always been that his people would come with a heart to give. Yes. And I, I wonder, yeah. and I know this for myself, so <laughs> that like I don't think for most of my church going life, I've come with the attitude of something to bring. Yes. What do I have to bring? Yes. This is why so many people leave church services going, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Yeah, I didn't get anything out of the worship yeah, today. The worship didn't really do it for, it for me or, you know, or even the message. Oh, the message didn't really, I didn't get anything out of that today. Whereas really we should be waking up on it, you know, yes. whenever the, we're coming to church and be like, what can I bring? Yes. Why can't I bring the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Um, because that will change how I approach his presence and the beauty of it is, of course, that God's, God doesn't need anything from us. Yep. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yep. The whole earth is his. Yes. Um, it's not that he's a needy God no. where he's asking his people to bring something to him. But in us bringing yep. to, to him, he bestows on us everything that we need that we don't even realize that we need ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is where, you know, this is the worship that God is looking for. The Father yes. is looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, that I'm sure we'll go on to talk about in the future as well. So, yeah, I think those are some of the factors that have um, led us to this point where we approach church with quite a consumeristic mindset. Yeah, Um, yeah, really good. It's actually really profound what you said about 
the church has only been like it is for the last 150, 200 years. Because as an Australian, Mm -hmm. you're from somewhere else, another planet, another place, another time. So within your history, Mm -hmm. within your DNA, is actually access to a church 24-7. That's not in mine as an Australian Mm -hmm. because we're a 200-year-old nation. So this whole 24-7 worship thing that's being pioneered in Australia Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. is actually very profound for our nation because this will be the first time on this soil. Yeah that the presence will be accessible that's huge. 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually very significant for our nation, what you've just said. Wow. There's something on that that I need to think and pray about more wow. because that would not be in the history of this house, which is the oldest Pentecostal church in Australia. Wow. True. So this is actually pioneering something very new on behalf mm-hmm. of our nation. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just having a moment. Yeah. I just need to have a moment on that shift. <laughs> Okay, back to topic. <laughs> I think that might become another episode. Oh, I can feel I'm about to prophesy. Okay, focus. For worshippers or pastors listening today, what are some of the practical steps we need to take to begin to make this transition back to the plumb line of scripture? And maybe even just what are some of the things that have been useful for us? Sure. Um, I think that, yeah, we've, for mis- myself, uh it's been a thing of, again, redefining and rediscovering what my role is as a minister mm-hmm. uh, and who I'm ministering to yeah. first and foremost. So I think when it comes to like my role as a worship leader, because we mm-hmm. haven't come up with different language for yes. that yet, yep. uh, I think my my primary focus now, even when I'm approaching a, a say, a worship uh, service, yeah a Sunday service or whatever other service it is, Mm -hmm. my thinking is less about what uh, do the people need and what will work for them. Yes. And it's more around, okay, what is going to bless the heart of God today? Um, And what do his people, what do his bride need to sing to him? Mm -hmm. And so it's more asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want your people to be singing to you mm-hmm. to the father to the son this this weekend and how can we bless his mm-hmm. heart um so that's a change in approach in in terms of like how i'm uh, yeah ministering mm-hmm. uh, i'm first and foremost called to minister to him mm-hmm. uh, and that then even affects how i reflect mm-hmm. post services as well because i'm like yes. we've talked about before yep. i'm asking different questions now i'm not looking for metrics based on people's mm-hmm. response i'm looking um, to God was, did I bless your heart yes. today? Did I minister to your heart yes. today? And not in a, uh, yeah, a scared way mm-hmm. or in a fearful way, but in an honoring way of yeah. God, that's my heart, my one desire, like David had, that that one thing that I will seek. Yes. And so, yeah, there's some things that I guess I've changed in my approach to the practical role of being a worship leader in, you know, in church mm-hmm. and when we're gathering as a corporate people. And so I think that it, we've started then to look at everything in mm-hmm. our church services, yep. you know, uh, as a leadership of like why we do the things that we do. Yep. Uh, everything is on the table then. Yes. Once you start yes. thinking in this way, it's like, okay, well, we're doing this, but what's the purpose yes. for that? And and then bringing it into this light um, as well. Do you have any other it's really good. You do look at everything, like mm. even how you present tithes and offerings. Right. 
because we often talk about that like, well, because of your generous giving, yeah. we can actually reach more people across the earth. Right. Whereas tithing is obedience and an act of worship. Mm. So even how we talk and about our tithes and offerings is this is your obedience because you love the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is you ministering to the Lord yes. because you're a steward, you're not an yes. owner. Yes. So it changes your language and everything. It totally. changes how you think about everything. It changes how you stand on a platform. It changes your posture. Mm. It changes so true. everything about church. I think, you know, you talked about Eden and this original tabernacle and here we've got the original priests in Adam and Eve and they're living in the presence of the Lord, which is so beautiful. And then we only have to get to Exodus where we've got Moses and the father actually states his intention to Moses mm -hmm. that his desire, I think people think 1 Peter 2 is yeah. the first place right. that scripture talks about a kingdom of priests yeah, yeah. and a royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. And they think that this is almost a New Testament right. concept. Right. So I love that we're talking about from Eden. It's mm -hmm. actually one of the main meta narratives of the whole of scripture. Totally. So once it's there in Genesis, there's this constant alluding to attempt at restoration of, oh, would you just catch a glimpse of mm. through the lives of people like Moses and then David. And then of course, Jesus is, mm. he comes and he fulfills that. In a world that's constantly pulling us in different directions where distractions abound, there's a powerful invitation waiting for you. Introducing Stacey Hillier's brand new e-course, Living Face-to-Face, -face, an Intimate Life with Jesus. Go on a transformative journey to deepen your connection with Jesus and become more like Him. Dive into timeless teachings, guided practices, and soul-stirring reflections as you follow along with the video content and your free workbook. Access this life-changing course by visiting www.stacyhillier.com. Your invitation to experience the eternal joy of living face-to-face -face with Jesus starts now. But in Exodus 19, there's this epic corporate encounter, which actually um, Exodus 19 is what they were reading in Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit fell. So they're reading about wind, fire on Mount Sinai with the 12 tribes stationed around, ready for God's presence to come so that His presence is central. As they're reciting this, 120 of them in the upper room, it, it happens in front of them. Yeah. So actually the intention of Holy Spirit's inspiration behind Scripture is that these are parallel passages. Mm. So here in this epic corporate encounter in Exodus 19, the Father actually states and says to Moses, I don't want you just to come. I actually want everyone to come. And he uses the phrase, a kingdom of priests, his chosen people. Yes. So it's always been God's intention, not just right. that Moses would come, yep. but the people felt the fear of the Lord because mm -hmm. of everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And they stayed at a distance. Mm -hmm. Moses was the one who went into what he was afraid of. Right. He was seeing, feeling the same thing. Moses was transformed. They created something to worship, a yes. golden calf. Yeah. Um, we have many golden calves in our churches today. Um, so they became deformed yes. because they hung back at a distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're now left in the church with a form of deformed worship mm. because we've seen the fear of the Lord and hung at a distance. Because, yes. But that's unfamiliar and we yeah. don't know how to put that in a box or how to control that. Right. What will visitors think of that? Yep. Um, what if the service blows out? 
what about the kids' ministry upstairs? Like who's going to take care of the kids? All the things leaders have to think about. And yet if we want to be transformed into the image and we want to operate as this kingdom of priests, we're going to face these moments where there's things happening that we don't know what they are and we're going to have to choose to trust and step into the unknown. Right. Or we cannot be a kingdom of priests, right? Yes, so true. I think that, yeah, one of the... That idea of the kingdom of priests is so important yeah. because Israel wasn't supposed to be a nation that had priests. Yes. But they were to bo- supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Yeah. So he was the king. Yeah. They were a kingdom of mm-hmm. priests. And I think what we've done, even in church, like mm-hmm. you were saying earlier, is that we've become an organization that has priests yeah. or has ministers yes. as opposed to being a peculiar people, yeah. a, a royal priesthood. Yeah and a chosen generation, which is what First Peter 2 talks about. And so what we've done in that then is that we've we've separated, yes. again, the last 150, 200 years, the clergy from mm-hmm. the laity, mm-hmm. and we've gone, okay, well, we've, we're going to pay people to go up the mountain, yes. hear the word, encounter God, and then we're going to have the laity who mm-hmm. just simply receive mm-hmm. uh, uh, secondhand mm-hmm. <laughs> from that. Um, and so there's like for leaders, one of probably their greatest maybe frustrations or burdens is why people keep it on coming to church and yet not being transformed. <laughs> and I think it's because we haven't led them into a transforming presence. We haven't actually uh, brought them That's to right. a place where they can behold That's right. him. And again, as you've spoken about Second Corinthians 3. Yeah. Um, you know, which is talking about Exodus yep. 19. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's another parallel passage yep. where Paul is alluding to that yep. experience of Sinai. Um, and he actually gives us the key in that mm-hmm. of how people, how yep. we are transformed yes. into his image. Uh, it's through beholding him. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that's so important for us to understand even when we approach church yes. and even just start thinking about yes about what the purpose of church is. And uh, as you, again, follow that meta-narrative throughout Scripture, you see God dropping breadcrumbs throughout the whole of Mm. Scripture. And so then when it comes to, yeah, the book of Acts and the church being born, it's not just about, okay, now we've got a new methodology and a new, I guess, Mm. way of doing things that hasn't existed before. But no, it's the same core, same corporate core Mm -hmm. that God has always had for his people, that he would have a chosen people who would, uh, that he would be able to dwell with. Yes. And his presence would be able to rest upon. Yes. And now it's not just resting upon individual temples, but Mm. it's on a a temple. Again, um, New Testament talks about how that he's forming us as living stones to become a temple of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So together, it's not just about, uh, we often focus on like, I am the temple yeah. of the Holy Spirit, you're the temple. There's only one reference to that in First Corinthians yeah. where it talks about us, at, us at being individual temples. Yeah. Every other reference um, to being a temple of the Holy Spirit is talking about a corporate people. That's right. And so that's why we need a community of yep. believers because that's where God has chosen to dwell. That's right. And so so I want to be a part of that. And as God is forming me, he's forming me to be a particular living stone that can be fitted in yes. to a temple yes. where his presence can dwell. And that's where I'm transformed. That's where I behold his beauty. And so there's so much more to church yep. than just rocking up, 
than just sort of ticking our religious box and, and just, you know, like I say, darkening the doors of the church yep. with my presence once a week. Um, but more, man, this is God's purpose and intention. Yeah. So the same commission that he gave to Adam and Eve in the garden yes. to go forth and multiply mm. and take dominion, make the rest of the world look like Eden. Mm. This tabernacle that I've created yes. here isn't supposed to be the be all and end all of the boundaries, but the rest of the earth is supposed to look mm -hmm. like that. And that's why he said the same commission to Matthew 28 yeah. to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Again, make this, don't just confine it to Jerusalem, but make the rest of the earth look like this now. Heaven has come. There's a convergence point between heaven and earth. Now there's supposed to be in every place incense rising in convergence points um, all over the earth and mm -hmm. until the whole earth is covered with the glory of the Lord, like the waters cover the sea. Mm. And so that's our corporate calling even now as a priesthood of believers. Yeah. Making me happy. You know, I think when we talk about Exodus 19 and Acts 2, and we're going to go into all of this in further episodes. So we're really touching on big ideas here. But in Exodus 19, the gift that the Father gave the people as they gathered around presence was the law. Mm -hmm. But as New Testament believers, we got the biggest upgrade on the planet mm -hmm. because the gift of the Father in that moment was the Holy Spirit that now dwells inside of each of us. So we have the most incredible opportunity to be able to carry that corporate presence everywhere we go to carry what Paul again in 2 Corinthians talks about the fragrance of Christ, the mm -hmm. aroma of Christ, which... If you look into the meaning of all of that, it's nuts because it's fivefold oils wow. that Exodus talks about. I mean, seriously, scripture is so cool. It's so cool. But then if you look at the connection Paul's making in 2 Corinthians 3 again, where you're talking about together mm. as living stones, yep. he says, we all, we all with yep. unveiled face, not I with yes. an unveiled face. Right. So Jesus, of course, teaches about the secret place in Matthew 6, but he's actually responding to an issue of hypocrisy. Yes. He's correcting an issue yes. in Pharisees. Yes. So yes, the secret place is important, oh, yeah. but it was a corrective teaching. Right. When we look at that prayer that he's teaching, he's saying, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. What did Jesus do? He took Exodus 19, what there was a glimpse of, what David caught a glimpse of in 1, 2 Samuel and Chronicles. And he said, pray it and bring it like I am on earth. Yes. Bring presence to earth, yeah. carry it everywhere you go and bring the rule and the dominion of the kingdom, so which was the intention of Eden. So, you know, it just all ties in a neat boat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Joel, we're about to put a statement on our studio wall, a priesthood of believers yeah. united in Davidic yeah. worship. And that's really a visual reminder for us mm. of what it's all about. And we're going to talk more about Davidic worship in our next episode. But I want you as a prophet to talk to me about what you see in your spirit when you allow Holy Spirit to show you what he sees for our community, our nation and the nations beyond as uh, this priesthood is restored. Yeah, just a small question. Hey, I'm about it. <laughs> so I think one of the things, like I said, that has been stirring in my heart is yep. God's like really rebirthed the, my love for the church. I've, yeah. or like I've, I was born into church, grew up in church. I've been... Literally? Yeah, well, almost. Um, <laughs> but as in like... Like every time the church doors were open, we were there. Yeah. The typical PK, right? And so I've always had this just innate love for the church yeah. that um, I haven't been able to get away from. Yeah. But in the last, as I've been just, like I say, mining out and rediscovering this priestly calling uh, that we have, it's reignited my love for the church. And I think that what has 
been uh, stirring in my heart is this restoration of David's tabernacle. Mm. And so I believe that what God is wanting to invite us into is once again a restoration of David's yeah. tabernacle. And we'll go on to talk about what yes. that all is in the coming episodes <laughs> because it's uh, it's actually epic. But one of the things that we see this uh, taking place in Scripture is in Acts 15 where James yes. gets up in the Council mm-hmm. of Jerusalem and this whole debate mm-hmm. about what's happening uh, with the Gentiles being grafted into this new corporate body of believers. Yep. And he actually refers to this prophetic word from Amos chapter 9 and verse 11, yeah. where Amos prophesies about a day coming where the tabernacle or the tent of David is going to be restored yep. and the breaches are going to be repaired. Mm-hmm. And so what James is doing is he's looking at the, you know, Peter getting up in the council of Jerusalem, testifying about what's happening at Cornelius' yep. house, about the Holy Spirit fell on Gentiles. Whoa. And then he's looking at uh, hearing stories. <laughs> stories from Barnabas and Saul about um, what's happening in Antioch and the priesthood of believers being restored um, in in that space as well. And James is connecting the dots. Again, he's looking at the breadcrumbs throughout Scripture, Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, my goodness, it's happening. The tabernacle of David has been restored. What's the tabernacle of David? It's day and night, 24-7 praise and worship, where people are just tending to the presence again. Just like Adam and Eve were called to (laughs) in the garden, they were called to tend to the presence uh, of what Moses was called to do in the tabernacle, tend to the presence. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm going to walk in and out amongst you just like I did in Eden Mm -hmm. uh, in the cool of the day. That's what I'm going to do. Like David had this revelation of the throne room where people could just behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. And there's this 24-7 praise and worship happening uh, night and day. And so I think that then what was happening in the New Testament, they rediscovered this priestly rhythm of ministering to the Lord. And in that was when fivefold gifts were then given and activated Mm -hmm. and people were catapulted out into their prophetic destiny and missionaries were sent out and teachers were activated and and so on and so forth. But there's this incense beginning to rise, like we read about in Malachi chapter 1 as well, that in every place incense will be offered up. Mm -hmm. And so I think what Mm -hmm. God is restoring in this End Times Worship Reformation is that there's going to be a rediscovery of the Tabernacle of David where 24-7 praise and thanksgiving and worship is offered up, harp and bowl worship to the Father where people are just in his presence and ministering to him and he is ministering to us and releasing people into their prophetic destinies. But there's these convergence points Mm. between heaven and earth. There's these thin places where heaven invades earth and earth begins to look more and more like heaven until Jesus finally says, like, okay, my kingdom now is is on in all the earth as every tribe, nation, tongue comes in and the foreigners are joined into the presence of the Lord uh, and into his body. And, uh, and and then incense is being offered up day and night. And then Jesus comes back and, uh, and makes all things new again. But that's what he's longing for. He's looking for those people whose hearts are turned towards him and uh, and where incense is being offered up. So it's beautiful. You know, as an aside, if you actually study thin places, mm-hmm. all of them, restoration of Davidic worship. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. Makes me so happy. It's so good. All right. We are going to finish up on this topic for now and we're going to come back and talk about Davidic worship. Love it. Oh, it could go for five hours. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed every second of it. Over the summer holidays, we will be taking a short break on the Prophetic Collective. But make sure to stay connected with Stacey by liking and subscribing. We will be back in 2024 with our Worship Reformation series. Until then, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from us to you.